This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. Okay, good morning. Good morning. It's great being together and uh, well done, braving the rain and uh, it's kind of, yeah, at least we're dry here. Okay, um, and I know there's been others that will be joining us as we start. I think there's quite a battle going on with just being at the right place at the right time in the weather. But it's our joy to, uh, to share this lifestone this morning uh, with good friends. Uh, in fact, from King's Church Cockermouth. That's the church. I'm part of the leadership team there and help to lead that church. And it's just great to have Jenny and Hazel... Uh, who are going to actually start off. I, I kind of want them to set the scene, and they're going to do it kind of in an interview way. Uh, but really, this first bit is really addressing kind of what it is uh, to parent as a single parent. Okay, that's the, that's the first part of this zone, and that's what Jenny and, and Hazel are going to help us with. And then after that, Cheryl and I will then kind of just, uh, just take it slightly wider in terms of just parenting. And we're going to do uh, uh, the rest of the session on being mothers and being fathers. Okay? And, uh, and that's what we're going to sort of unpack more. So, so that's kind of the overview of the morning. And uh, but without further ado, I want to introduce Jenny and Hazel. Let's welcome them, shall we? Yeah. Good morning. I can't see you all now because you're all fuzzy. I can only see this, so that's good. (laughs) Okay, this is my friend Jenny, and I'm going to ask her to tell us a little bit about herself. Okay, so um, I grew up in a Christian family, so I don't actually remember not being a Christian ever. Um, And the other thing probably to tell you about is that I've suffered with chronic fatigue syndrome since I was about 17. Okay, and I know that you wanted to say a little bit about what led to you being a single parent and the choices that that left you to make. Um, So I got married to a Christian guy. I expected it to be ever after. I didn't expect happily ever after. I knew there'd be difficult bits, but I did expect it to be forever. Um, And it got to the point where I was pregnant with our child um, and started thinking about what I wanted for that baby And it made me realise that what was going on in our home was not somewhere I wanted to bring a baby into. So I started working really hard on doing everything I possibly could to change and improve that. But what I found was you you can't do that on your own. It takes both of you. Um, And I couldn't fix it. Um, And it gradually led me to the decision that when my daughter was six months old that I needed to leave. Um, so suddenly, I got a six-month baby, and I was on my own. So what were the results on, on you and your life of suddenly being a single mum? Initially, it was a huge shock. Um, I, being a single parent and being divorced was something I had never considered might happen. Um, I was married, and I expected it to be forever. 
Um, there was a lot of feeling of loss um, and grief. The whole kind of future I thought I'd had was suddenly totally going to be different. Um, and I felt a failure as well. Um, I felt that I had already failed my child, that I wanted her to be brought up in a two-parent family with that as a model for her life. And I'd already messed up, I guess it felt like. Um, I, and I, I knew that I was losing that sort of marriage partnership and supporting and, and the, you know, being parents together. Um, the other thing I found unexpectedly was that I felt quite uncomfortable in church, that actually the hardest place to be as a single parent was at church because everybody else seemed to be happily married with their children. Um, and actually, it's still hard sometimes. It's got easier over the years. So my daughter's now 11. So I've been a single parent for over 10 years and it's got easier, but, but it is still hard sometimes. I think you wanted to say something about um, the effect that it had on your daughter. Yes. Um, the other thing is watching Ellen miss out on a rela normal relationship with her dad. So, you know, sometimes I end up seeing dads with their children um, and realising that my daughter didn't ever have that the same as other children. And there's a bit of feeling, uh, yeah, of failure and loss and, and concern about how that will affect her. So um, coming on to practicalities, what are the day-to-day -day difficulties of being a single mum? So um, sometimes it feels like a huge overwhelming responsibility because it is totally mine. Um, I have to make the decisions for her alone. There's not somebody to bounce the problems off. Um, there is nobody to share the moments. There's nobody to be there at the nativity play with me the same. So although, you know, my wider family, uh, my sisters and my mum and dad are great about coming to things, it's not quite the same as sharing it with somebody who is the parent of the child. Um, there's, I particularly found, um, it, so she's fully my responsibility. There is no break from caring for her in some ways. So particularly when she was a toddler, You'd have one of those days where she'd said no about everything, where there had been tantrums and tears, and I would get to five o'clock, and at that point, I would have loved somebody that hadn't been with her all day to walk through the door to say, just go and sit down for ten minutes with a cup of tea. I will do the next bit. And yet you still have to, you know, sometimes it feels like a long time till bedtime. Um, and that's got easier as she's got older, but there's still that sort of, you know, when she's been poorly and you've been up half the night... I still have to keep going until she's better. So there is nobody to kind of come and say, just go and get a couple of hours sleep. Um, the evenings can feel tricky because um, you can't actually leave. Once your child's in bed, you can't go out. There is, you know, you are on your own. Um, the whole balance with managing the chronic fatigue syndrome and staying well um, and things is a bit more complicated because, again, there's nobody to take over. I've found I have to be quite careful about relationships with men, that whether it's somebody else's husband or somebody at church, there is something about being single that makes that more tricky and means I have to be more on my guard. Um, other things have completely surprised me. So um, weekends, 
could, have, could feel very long, particularly when she was little. Sometimes, you know, it's great to go to church because I saw other adults. Um, but actually, weekend is often when people have family time. And for me, that often meant they, take, they felt like they lasted a long time. Um, their uh, Christmas and birthdays and things can be a mix. So, you know, I love sharing Christmas with her. But we tend to go and spend time with my family. And you do suddenly realise that actually there isn't somebody for me to lean on. There's that, that you're wa- you, know, you end up watching people parent together. And it, sometimes there's a bit of, actually, that's hard. Um, there's that whole being everything, being mum, dad, keeping everything in the house going, working, making sure the money works out, making sure the car's running. It, it all falls on me. Um, there's, you know, there are bonuses to that. If I leave the house tidy in the morning, it's tidy when I get back. But nobody ever makes me a cup of tea. Um, so, yeah. And for me, it's meant that I'm on, you know, that my income is low because I initially, I did train to be a teacher. But I've only ever managed to work part-time as a teaching assistant because of my health. It means I do have to claim benefits. And that does have its own things to think about. That actually, you know, money can be something I have to be very careful with. Um, this is a really important one. How do you handle your daughter's uh, contact with her dad? Because that can't be easy for you. No, it's much better these days. But to begin with, it was very difficult. The person I, at the time, trusted least in the world who had really hurt me and let me down, I had to send a six-month baby to be with. Um, and she wasn't big enough to say what she needed. Um, but I have had two rules that I've tried very hard to stick to. The first one is that I would always be positive about her dad in front of her. Even if I was talking to another adult, I wouldn't say anything negative about her dad in front of her because he is her dad. No matter what he did to, you know, no matter what happened between us, he's her dad. She loves him and she needs to know him for herself. Um, And the other thing I've always done is made contact visits as easy and enjoyable for her as I possibly could. So I have tried really hard to communicate well with him about what her needs were, her routines and things. I've sent everything, like clothes and all the things she'd need, because actually wearing her familiar stuff and having everything she needs made it easier for her. These days, it's got much, much easier. She enjoys going to see with her dad. She... um, talks to me about it and I think because I've tried so hard she will come to me if she's uncomfortable about something she knows she she does feel able to talk to me about it and I can do what I can to help her cope with it um I've to begin with you you think oh there's to be this lovely child-free time and actually I was just anxious and you know, it was really, I didn't know what to do with myself. And again, that's got easier. Um, the other thing that was hard was Ellen, when she was little, would be, the, any reaction to the contact happened when she got home. So sometimes she would come home and she was angry with me because I'd made her go to her dad's where she wasn't, didn't feel as safe and comfortable as at home. But it was really worth persisting through those times because she does have a good relationship with her dad. She knows him, and that's really important for her. So 
Have you got any um, tips or advice for anyone here that's facing this or helping people that are facing this? Yeah, there are bits of things that I've learnt along the way. Um, we have, I have a really close relationship with Ellen because there are just the two of us. We have a really close relationship and that's really special. Um, but I have been very careful to make sure she is my daughter, that she is not my best friend, that I don't treat her like a grown-up. It would be really easy to talk to her like I would another adult because she's the person that's always there. And I try very hard not to do that, to just let her be a child and to have the right parent-child relationship. Um, I discovered completely because something went wrong for me. So I managed to trip and have a fall. And, I, um, and Ellen was clearly anxious about being at home on her own with me. Um, and my parents had been involved and my dad stayed overnight and things. But up until then, I hadn't thought to have the conversation with her about... What happens, what would happen if mummy had to go into hospital? What would happen if I couldn't look after her? And since we've had that conversation, since I've said, well, look, you would, you know, granny and granddad would help or Auntie Joelle or, you know, people that are around us, Dave and Hazel, friends that we have, um, she's been much more relaxed about that. But it was something that I hadn't actually thought about, that, you know, I was always there and, and suddenly I couldn't be the same as I was and, it, and she panicked a bit. Um, I have got a lovely family that helped me lots. Um, my mum and dad and two of my sisters are in Cockermouth. I'm very impressed with the brothers-in-law of my sister's pick because one is brilliant with cars and he always helps me when I need a new car and one is brilliant with computers and mobile phones. So whenever any of that sort of thing goes wrong, I know who to call. Um, and I'm very grateful for the support. They, you know, mum and dad are brilliant about having Ellen when she's poorly so that I can still go to work because all those things become a bit more complicated. Um, but I've had to work at being cautious that I haven't fallen back into a parent-child relationship with them, that I am the parent of Ellen, that I stay in that position. And it was particularly hard earlier on because they wanted to protect me. They wanted to give me the support I needed. And there was a balance that just had to be kind of kept an eye on that, that I was cautious about. Um, the other thing I think is... Um, so, um, was don't think that because someone's a single parent they can't serve in the church so I ended up going to New Day with my church um, taking Ellen um, and we've been every year since and it's been fantastic um, and it's been fantastic partly because we just ended up being included as a f and part of a bigger family so Ellen has a fantastic time with the older kids it's really good for her to have some older children you know, older people modelling things. Um, and the other adults involved do a bit of caring for her and modelling things. And that's been really important. And it would be kind of been easy to think that actually asking a single parent with health problems sometimes would be a disaster and it would be too much. But I'm really grateful and we, we love it. We look forward to it every year. How um, has the church family supported you and helped you um, in all sorts of ways um, practically so um, when Cockermouth flooded in 2009 my the flat I lived in it was a first floor flat so I, I wasn't flooded the ground floor was but I ended up on stuck on the wrong side of the river so I was on one side the town the shops 
preschool for my daughter, everything, were on the other side of the river. You couldn't walk across any of the bridges. So I discovered that in 10 days, I'd used a month's worth of petrol, which on a low income is slightly scary. Because you think, how am I actually going to keep doing this? Because there was no telling how soon they'd reopen the bridges. Also, because the downstairs had flooded, I was using an awful lot of heating. Um, I didn't, you know, you were aware you didn't want to be cold. It was November, it was freezing. Um, And church just gave me a check that meant I could just think, I don't need to worry about this. I can drive as often as I need to. I can have as much heating as I need. And it was okay. And it was fantastic. Um, I'm part of a prayer triplet. um, And these... The, the girls that are in it with me have always come to my house because I can't very easily go to somebody else's. And they've been fantastic about, we'll just come to yours and then you don't need a babysitter. Um, and the close relationship we've developed means that they text me, they support me. Um, I can text them and say, oh, this is going on, will you pray? Um, and the, the other one that's been a huge help is a couple in the church have kind of adopted us, taken us into their family. They have us around for dinner every Friday. Um, And I found that there's somebody I can talk things through with. I can say, this is going on. How should I deal with it? And what do you think about this? Should I be doing this? What about that? Um, They they give us practical help. Um, They kind of know what I need and they help. Um, My daughter has a really close relationship with the, the man in the couple and that's brilliant for her because she doesn't, you know, her relationship with her dad isn't quite what it should be. She does have a relationship and just to see her enjoying being with a male person is, is amazing. Um, and it's, it's been healing for me. It's helped me to open up again um, and, and to rely on others because if the person you, you love most and knew you best rejects you and stops loving you, then actually opening up and trusting and relying on others isn't easy um so so there's been healing through that too and the other thing is they always give us a hug when we arrive and when we leave and most of the time i get plenty of hugs from my daughter but hugs from somebody else is lovely because actually you you find there's not much physical contact Um, that was all absolutely amazing information and really good for everybody to hear and, and, and I know it will have opened a lot of eyes. Is there something you'd like to leave us with, end our conversation with? So, through it all, God has very definitely been there. Um, when, right at the beginning, God very clearly made a way out for us um, and, you know, opened up a path that led us in the right direction. And I feel, I've always felt very strongly that God rescued Ellen and I before any permanent damage was done in the situation we were in. Um, and I, at the time, I thought, Ellen's tiny. She, you know, she won't remember. But what had happened was um, I'd put her down for afternoon sleep. She'd sleep for about 40 minutes. And then she'd wake up and cry and cry. And, you tried, she, and she hadn't had enough sleep. But what I found was if I picked her up and comforted her, she would grizzle all afternoon. Um, And I'd got to the point where the best option was leaving her to cry. And she would cry for a good half an hour or 40 minutes and then go back to sleep. Interestingly, as soon as we moved out of that marriage, she never did it again. Um, So I'm quite sure that it was affecting her despite her being so young. And I feel God very definitely took us out of it before either of us were permanently damaged. Um, 
And um, it's, the being on your own means you end up with a deeper relationship with God because in the middle of the night, when she's poorly, there's nobody else to turn to. You, you, you know, God's the person you go to because he's the only person that's there sometimes. Um, so that's been really good. Um, and I think the fact that he's led us through difficult things, that there have been times when I thought, I'm not sure how I'm going to manage this. I've run out of energy. I've run out of ideas. And God always steps in. Um, and the, although the chronic fatigue syndrome has been a problem, um, the bonus about it was it enabled me to be at home when Ellen was little, that actually I was getting benefits for being too ill to work. And actually I was home for her. And that has actually been a huge blessing. Um, I think if I hadn't been, I would have been had to go back to work for the money side of things. Um, and it was really good for both of us that I didn't have to. So God's very much been in the middle of it and still is. Um, Thank you very much, Jenny. Wow. Okay, that is so very, very helpful, very good. Um, if you were here yesterday, you know we had two stories yesterday as well. And we've been quite deliberate, really, in kind of shaping this life zone around some stories. Now, we're going to kind of step out of that a little bit now. Um, but just to make that connection. Don't do that. Just to make that connection, uh, we've all got our own family story. Okay? And uh, thank you again, Jenny, just for sharing so honestly, openly, and encouragingly in the sense of, yeah, God can make the difference. But we're all, uh, we're all part of family. And I'm assuming as well that we all have responsibility for family. But the fact is, we all grew up in family. And actually, that affects us. And we can't separate who we are in family, in the responsibilities we have now, with actually our past. Because our own family history has shaped us. And the reality is, in a room like this, is that some of you have had very good experiences in your own family life, in terms of your upbringing. And there's others who have had some very difficult experiences and some very hard ones. And maybe, for most of us, it's a mixture of both. It's good and it's difficult. And somehow it's, it's that mix, which is a little bit of normal family life. And those good experiences, they can leave us with things we want to pass on to our children. And good things we want to communicate. But those not-so-good things are things that have affected us and we don't want to reproduce. But let me into, I'll let you into a little secret what happens. There can be some things you really don't want to reproduce, but it's so much part of you, you can't help it. Okay, because we have a blind spot. And I still remember as a child growing up, and there were some things my mum and dad used to do, and I thought, when I get old, I'm not going to be like that. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and then the funny thing is, you look at your children grow up to be adults and think, oh, they're doing, you know. Anyway, but actually, good or bad, our past family 
experience affects us. Then we get saved. And, 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 and Jesus, we meet Jesus, and I think in all the stories we've heard so far, actually Jesus has been very central, the difference he makes. We get saved, and when we get saved, we realize this, we are then part of a bigger family. But also we're part of a bigger story. It starts with creation, and creation puts all the big, rocks in place of our understanding of family, that God made male and female, that we are different, we're equal, but we complement one another. And that actually, that purpose of making male and female together wasn't just to gaze at one another for the rest of their lives and think, oh, how, how wonderful you are, but it's to be fruitful and multiply and rule and actually bear the image of God in creation. And that actually is the seed of family life. You see, what are children? Children are mini image bearers. And we're wanting to raise them to live lives that have purpose. Lives that are shaped by what God wants them. So that's where it all started. And then it got messed up, as you know, in the fall. That's where sin came in, brokenness came in. That affected every part of family life. And the result of the fall is this, that actually what Adam and Eve, suddenly they're blaming each other. They're accusing each other. And then you see the first thing, the first murder that happens on the planet is between two siblings. Family gets broken. And that's what we're born into. That somehow we've inherited that. We've got this God's blueprint for family, and then we've got the reality of our brokenness, and somehow here we are. We're trying to make sense of it. Okay? And we're born again. But we're born again into family. Now, this is a, a, a big thing. I just want us to kind of get hold of uh, before we're going to just really focus on three aspects. One, of us as parents being children. And then we're going to look at mothers and then fathers. Okay? And Cheryl's going to do the mothering bit. And I'm going to just do the, just going to do the other bits. But just we must see that as we come to Christ, we're born again and we're born into family. In other words, part of God's provision for broken family life is the wider family of the church. And we've got to hear that. And I think um, Jenny has served us superbly in that, saying actually in the beginning, church was one of the most difficult places for her to go to. But actually, alongside that, church has been one of the places she's found genuine support and care. We're born into the family of God. Church is not like a family. Church is family. We must understand that. In it, you can go to a great, I don't know, social club, fishing club, running club, you name it. And you can be all friends together and you can say, oh, it's like a family. Church is not like that. 
Church is family. We're brothers and sisters. We belong to one another. We're part of family. And that's why broken families are to find part of their support and help and hope in the wider family of God. That's not to take away our parental responsibility for our individual children, but it is to add something in. So again, in Jenny's story, that for Ellen to have a dad uh, in the church that she's safe with, who can just give her a hug and be there and play games with her, is a big deal. Okay? So we're part of wider family. We're part of big family. And, uh, but, and what, what we're now going to do is just look at these three aspects of actually first recognizing that as parents, we're children. We never stop being children because we're children of God. That's who we are. As we've received Christ, we are born again and we become a child of God, okay? And that's important as parents is to know we have a father in heaven. And we as parents are all in the act of growing up. Adulthood isn't just about the age of our bodies. It's about maturity and growing in Christ. And we've got to see this one. We never stop growing as parents, and one of the ways we grow is this, is that we need to grow in who we are in Christ. Because if we don't do that, these things can happen. We can look for approval from others. We can, and, and, and actually we can feed off of our children in the wrong way. We can feed off of, as it were, their successes, or their failures we can take too personally. Without this, without our security of growing in Christ, without knowing our Father's love for us, then actually we compromise on discipline. Because we always want to be liked. Or we can overreact with anger, rejection, or we take everything personally. You hear, tragically, you hear times parents just sounding off at their children saying, you are such an embarrassment. You know? And you can shame, but actually what that's revealing is something that's not settled in our own hearts. And that's why before being effective parents, we're going to know our security in the fatherhood of God. That gives us our foundation as being parents. Or we can make parenting about control. And we can see discipline as control or punishment rather than about training children. That's the nature of discipline. Or we can be overly concerned about appearances. Appearances matter. That's huge in our society today. And the fact is, we just don't grow up, okay? And we as parents can become the immature leading the even more immature. 
And so the first block I want to get in is this. As parents, we need to know who we are in Christ. Because parenting is challenging. It's difficult. At whatever stage we're going through, it has unique challenges. And one of the ways that we get through that is knowing who we are in Christ. We're growing in him as his children. And as part of the church family. Now, I just want to ask Cheryl to come up and speak specifically about being a mother. Morning, everyone. <laughs> That's better. Um, I just want to say that as a little introduction. Um, that you're very lucky that I've even got my notes with me. Because, you know what it's like packing for Devoted? So our boot room was full of all these bags clothing, bedding. We're looking after nine of our young people from Gothenburg. Stuff was everywhere. But unfortunately, fortunately, we have puppy. And our puppy, puppy even, has been in the vets three times in the first week we had him as emergencies because of what he'd eaten. So I went down the evening before coming to Devoted and I had been so organized. We had Lee and Stacy from Mexico uh, staying with us. And I had put my Bible and my notes very carefully in an Ikea bag on the top. When I went down in the morning to pack, help pack the car, my Bible was still there, but not my notes. So I raced into the kitchen and just said to the world in general, where are my notes? And Stacy went, oh, the puppy will have had them. She was right. The puppy had pulled my notes out of the Bible. So there are a few teeth marks on. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to try and hit two things quite difficult to try and get these in in 15 minutes. But when, when it, um, the two areas, just so you know where I'm going, are mothering within our sort of nuclear family, whatever your nuclear family looks like, single family, blended family, you know, whatever, or a mum, a dad, and some children. I'm going to hit that, if I can, in terms of mothering, but also want to touch on mothering in the church. Okay, so they're the two areas I'm going to hit. Um, somebody, called myself, came up with this little sentence, and I have to tell you, because I'm so proud of it. I said to Roger, what do you think about this? Mothering comes more out of who you are than what you do. Anyway, that's really good. So I've put it down as a quote, CB. Okay, so if you're a mum, mothering comes out more of who you are, which is relating back to what Roger was saying about your identity in Christ, than what you do, right? So what you do is super important, but it comes out of who you are. It's all really important to always understand that. Um, Three big foundational blocks, I would say, in terms of, of mothering, uh, sort of on that human level. Um, nurturing. As mothers, we nurture 
our family. Um, and I would suggest there's probably maybe, there's probably more, but four basic ones. Physically, food, drink, warmth, etc., etc., um, which changes as your children grow. But that's, that's basically one of the biggest, biggest things that you start to do when you become a mother. Um, you also nurture emotionally. So physically, you nurture, and emotionally, you nurture. Approval. Give your children approval. You build a sense of value um, and confidence. Um, and, and one of the big things that you never give up on is trying to build confidence in your children in who they are, not in what they achieve. So what they achieve is important and wonderful, but that is not the key thing. When Sam and Hannah were talking yesterday about Lydia, and that's not even her name. It's a good job I used the wrong name, actually. Um, but but their, their um, seven-year-old, there's nothing she will achieve in the sense of physically, like some of our kids will. She'll never run a race. She'll probably never be able to speak to people. But they value her for who she is. And she knows that. It's so important we build that in our children. By the way, I am just saying, these are wonderful things to aim at. We don't always hit what we aim at, right? But we want to have those values um, trying, you know, undergirding our mothering. Spiritually, we nurture our children spiritually. All right, we try to model Jesus to them. Um, whatever their age and whatever their behaviour. And sometimes it is super hard to model Jesus to a screaming toddler. It can be extremely difficult to model Jesus to a teenager who is taking drugs um, and who's doing all sorts of stuff you don't want them to be involved in. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to model Jesus. Um, and nurture mentally. Encourage them in their education and their gifts. You know, kids have so many gifts. Um, accept where they are. Don't try to nurture them in gifting they don't have. Okay? If your kids are not super academic, don't make them go to or aim for super academia. Nurture the gifts they have. They might be practical. It might be, you know, whatever they might be. Um, and if you have more than one child, and this is really hard, try not to make comparisons. And that's hard. It's hard to, to do that, but try not to verbalise that. Okay, second big block that I think mothers do, just checking the time, um, is they bring security. Okay, so number one, nurturing. Number two, bringing security. Be there for your children. And when I say be there, I mean be present. It doesn't mean you have to spend every waking minute with them, but when you're actually with them, be with them and not on your phone. Be with them and not on your tablet. Do, do you know what I mean? It's so easy to have half an ear to them and when you're checking something. Now, I don't do social media, so I don't have that, but what, what a temptation to just keep up with other people when you've got your kids right there wanting a bit of attention and I would just say to any parents of teenagers teenagers need just as much attention don't they Hazel they need just as much attention as little children but you just don't think they do but they do they really do I remember when 
One of our children was, we had six years of extremely difficult time with one of our children. And I felt that if I left the house, um, so they were all teenagers at that time, if I left the house in the evening to go to house group or, you know, whatever, that when I came back, possibly one of them would be dead because one of them would have killed one another. It was, it, and I felt, I didn't know what friends in the church would think of this. I remember talking to Roger and saying, I need to be at home. One of us does. And because he's a church leader, he was often needing to be out. And I missed so many church meetings because I was there for my kids. Now, I'm not saying that it made a massive amount of difference. I wasn't counseling them, or, but I was just in the home. And um, so just a little tip if you've, uh, if you've got teenagers. Um, Third thing, uh, third big block, I would say, for mothering and fathering is teaching slash training. Um, training is always towards a goal, whether you're running or I'm a teacher by profession. So you're training, your ch- training the children in your class, tra- training your family. You have goals for them to reach um, in, in, in terms of what, as a Christian... A, in your own family, you want your children to come to meet Jesus. That's, that's a big goal that you have in your life as a, as a parent. Um, and so you, you need to bring some intentionality into what you do. Um, and that's all part of teaching. And you're teaching towards godly character. But here's the big one. From the get-go, from the minute they're born, you are teaching towards independence. And if you don't understand that, and if you don't believe that, then you will hold your children to yourself. You won't let them go. You won't let other people have them because you want them and you won't be doing a good job in training them to live independently. Two of our children now live in Sweden. Now, we find that super hard. But boy, you know, thank you, Jesus. They're confident enough, independent enough to have got jobs, gone after Jesus, and church plant in a foreign nation. Our oldest daughter lived in Canada for a couple of years doing something very similar. And it kind of breaks your heart, but it's also something you th- thank you, Lord. You helped me from that very get-go to train them towards that. Um, in babyhood, your teaching and training is super practical, isn't it? Because you're physically um, training them and uh, teaching them about learning to feed themselves. You know, <laughs> where's it gone? Yeah, no, you're training them to feed themselves. But that gradually changes as they grow older. And I would say training and teaching in teenagehood is a key, key aspect and young adulthood in terms of... Um, training towards independent Christian living. All right. Hannah said yesterday, don't get in the way of your child meeting Jesus. That's quite helpful. Um, quite a helpful thing. Don't just teach towards behaviour. I'm going to say that one again because that sounds a bit strange. Don't just teach towards behaviour because behaviour comes from what you've internalized. Behavior comes from belief, character, family of origin, um, societal values, 
peer pressure. All of that stuff inside a person leads to their behavior, okay? And your parenting is something that will have an impact on the behavior. But if all those other things, if you don't, if you don't understand that what we do comes from up here and all the pressures on us, then um, you will find your teaching just, just towards behavior. And sometimes you have to try to understand what it is that's making that behavior happen and get underneath, underneath the skin. I was praying with a friend about that the other day. I said, we need to get underneath the skin of why this behavior is happening. Or not before you deal with the behavior, but as you're dealing with the behavior. Um, <clears throat> there's a fabulous proverb, I'm sure we all know, Proverbs 22, 6, which is, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, when our, one of our children was so off the wall with what they were doing for such a long time, and we possibly, it could have been forever, uh, wonderfully, God restored that child. But someone helpfully said to me, Cheryl, your child is not old yet. So train up a child in the way she goes. When he is old, he will not depart from it. I went like, oh, how long do you think we've got to suffer this? Who knows? But it's a kind of a really helpful thing to have in your mind. It's not instant. Parenting is not instant. And that word train up, I, I read something super helpful, and I'm going to read it. And it's from um, a guy called um, Jason de Rushi. He's from um, Bethlehem College and Seminary, which did you say is like a John Piper in the John Piper stable? And he says the words train up um, are, um, like if you look into the Hebrew background, it's a strong term carries a sense of dedication. You're like, like trying to dedicate your children to the way they should go, if you, see, if you understand what I mean. Like it's a real strong term. And this is what he said. Um, training your children, this ded dedication is an act which is focused more on an intentional, sustained, God-dependent shepherding of our children's hearts as they grow into adulthood that's what we want we want to be intentional we want to be sustained and we want god dependent shepherding of our children's hearts as they move into adulthood um, so that's not a passive calling on us as mothers that's a really active calling <clears throat> okay moving swiftly on um, so I want to just talk briefly about mothering in the wider church family. And, um, and someone said this to me years ago, and I've, I've written it on the back of an airplane ticket. <laughs> I don't know where I was when they gave this to me. And, the, and, they, and they felt this is what God said to them. And I just want to share this with you because it may be helpful to introduce it. it um, they felt that God was saying... I see myself in you, that's in me, um, I've set seeds in you to feed others, groups of older younger, and younger women um, and ladies across tables, etc. What is in you to share with you? What is in you to share with others and to teach them what I've taught you? And I just want to say that mothering in the church 
um, is not about getting up and standing and teaching at the front of church. It's not a, even, I don't think necessarily, about formalized Bible teaching, etc., etc. Mothering, remember what I said at the beginning, comes more about who you are than what you do. And I'd like to say, hearing Jenny and Hazel talking, can I say this? Uh, Hazel and her husband, to me, are a supreme example of mothering in the church. And I respect what she does so highly. But I'm not intimidated by it. I don't have to be the same. But I appreciate who she is. Because it's out of what she is that she cares for people within the church. And I would say, looking around, girls... That all of you have the potential to mother in the church, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are. Just because you have the potential doesn't mean that that's what you have to do. Because we all have different gifts, right? And some girls have challenging gifts and teaching gifts. But some do have mothering gifts. And how do we function in that within the church? Well, firstly, like I said, do not be intimidated by other women. Because sometimes people can get labels. I don't even like the label spiritual mother. I I just don't really like that label. But that's kind of what I'm talking about. But don't be intimidated by others. Be yourself. And I've written in my notes, be at peace with yourself. Super easy, isn't it, as mothers to look around um, and be intimidated by what other people are doing and how they're bringing their kids up. Um, and I lived with having to take a child. I walked the walk of shame. This is why I don't like sitting at the front. I learned not to like it with my children. I, my husband was a church leader and is a church leader. Was a church leader. He might not be after what, when I've said this. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, he needed to be at the front to help and blah, blah, blah. And, but I don't really like doing that. But I would sit at the front quite a lot. And we had three children very close together. And one was so naughty. And I had to take them this child out every Sunday. Oh, my word. Every Sunday. And I was so embarrassed. So what are people thinking of what Roger and I are doing as parents? But don't be intimidated by others. Okay? These kids, God has given to you. This church family, God has given to you. Don't be intimidated by other people within it. Um, so if, if within the church you have the potential to mother, you can do all those things that I said a natural mother does. Nurture. I can't remember all of them. You, oops, a daisy. You, you nurture, you bring security, and you can teach and train. And I would say one of the really big things about people, as I look around the church, I would say are mothering. They bring security to the church. Now, I know our church leaders do that, but mothers within the church. I had someone say to me the other day, oh, Cheryl, I'm so glad you're back from, uh, one of our kids got married in Sweden a couple of months ago. Oh, so glad you're back. I've really missed you. You bring such security to me. And I was like, well, Really? It's like that sense of safety and that sense of security that, as mothers within the church, we can bring. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot more I really wanted to say, but I think I need to um, just stop there. Just to say, teaching people, 
you would be surprised at what people learn from you when they're not supposed to <laughs> because you're not technically teaching them. People learn from observation. Roger and I have learned so much about parents. We, we try, we, we're lifelong learners. That's what we try to be. So we look at people older than ourselves to see what they're doing with their adult children. Like we, we, there's good, good examples, I mean. We look to others and we really try to learn. Um, so so um, look at others, but just realize people are looking at you. Okay, so within the church, in terms of mothering, people will be learning from you through observation. Um, so, you know, it's kind of up to us, isn't it, to just keep that identity in Christ solid and secure, to not be intimidated by other people, to show care in the way that you've been gifted to show care. Okay, um, and... One, one more other thing, and I, I only just thought, this is not in the church, I'm going back now to <clears throat> parenting, and I just thought about this, um, I don't know, maybe when Jenny was talking, I don't know about your church, but our, both of the churches I've been in, we, we do like dedications, like children's dedications, and they're always just such lovely affairs, you know, when we were able to pray for, you know, the, the babies and whatnot, and, and the parents, and we normally p- pray a lot for the parents, and the, you know, parent, the parents say they want the church to help bring up their children, right? I've lost count of the number of parents I've seen that say that and have had that prayed, and yet when, whatever the expression is, shove comes, push comes to shove. When push comes to shove, and their child is maybe being a little bit naughty and someone else has picked that up and they come and talk, that parent reacts like, who the heck do you think you are to tell me how to bring my children up? And I say that because something Roger and I learned very, uh, quite early in our parenting, because we had one very naughty child, we had many people coming up to us saying, this person's done that in the kids' group this morning. This per, you know, it's always the same, nearly always the same person. And I had to learn to not be proud as a parent. I had to learn to go, thank you so much for saying that. I will deal with that. And I remember once the same guy came up to me three weeks on the trot. And I was like, oh, my word, this is so bad. And I went to my child each time, and I took my child to that man, made him apologize, made my child apologize each single time and, and you can get angry with other Christians but actually you know what you've said please help me but when they do you don't like it <laughs> and I just thought I ought to say that because look we just need to be real don't we you know in our parenting so as a mother if other mothers come to you and just say oh if you thought of doing this or rather than you going to them and saying could you help me if they come to you, listen. Don't, don't get all proud and, you know, shirty about it. Just accept you're not perfect. It's good to have some help. Fantastic. Well done, love. Okay, what I'm going to do, just for 10 minutes, and then we're just going to make a little bit of time for Q&A, 
is almost what Cheryl's done for mothering, um, I'm going to do on fathering, okay? And again, just hitting some big things very quickly. Uh, but please hear this in terms of the, the family you're responsible for. So as it were, the biological or whatever family you're personally responsible for. But men, let's hear this as fathers in the church. Okay, this is big. Remember? Remember Jenny's story? Okay, there's a, a secure dad that is helping it as part of the church family. So, three things, fathers, okay? First one is this, approval. Cheryl mentioned it, and I think as both parents, it's critical, I think it's important for us, both mums and dads to bring approval. But the, I think there is something... I think mums do it instinctively. Mums will do it. But dads need to communicate it. And it's a key thing. And it's fascinating, isn't it, that when you look at Jesus himself, where his ministry, his public ministry, it started with a, a, a word of approval from his father in heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And in terms of ministry, he'd not done anything. And that father's direct verbal approval is huge. And I realized this in my own life. And in fact, it was a, a while back that Cheryl and I were working through the marriage course, the uh, Nicky Gumbel marriage course. I won't do Nicky Gumbel's voice, uh, Jeremy will, but we're hearing ourselves tonight. Okay, but actually, <clears throat> I realized we're doing that. You've got the whole kind of, you've you, you got your, um, what is it, like your homework. You've got the questions on the marriage course. And suddenly, we hit a difficult one, you know. It was something that caught me a bit off guard that Cheryl challenged me about. And it's one of those moments, think, oh, darn, you know, I can't get out of this one. And the conversation that came out of that was actually a very healthy one. And what it led to this was that actually I, I had very secure parents. They, they were Christians. They were, they were good. I was very, you know, I'm very grateful for so much they gave to me. But they belonged to a generation who would not directly say to you, well done. Or they certainly wouldn't say the words, I'm proud of you. Because they thought it would lead to pride. And I suddenly realized there were a number of things that behaviors I had and ways that I functioned that really was looking for that approval. And, uh, and, and, and it's just one of those moments, really. And I, I thought, yeah, as a dad, and it's a learning point for me as a dad, that I thought, actually, I want to be saying to my children. And it's fascinating. When one of our children, Charles, referred to quite a bit, actually did go through this really difficult period. There was a time where I actually took time to say to that child, amidst all the mess happening, saying, I'm proud of you. I'm not proud of what you're doing, but I'm proud of you. And fathers, let's be bringers. Let's communicate approval. A father's approval, I believe, carries real weight. And let's do that. 
biologically, you know, there's children with responsibility, but let's do that in church. Let's kind of hear both those applications. Second thing is this, encouragement. That is a verse from the Bible. Um, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, says this, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And that's, <clears throat> encouragement is a bit different to approval. Approval is approving who you are. But here, I think, is the encouragement to be all that God wants you to be. Behind that, there's a, you know, there's a whole other kind of morning of what does that look like and how do you do that and what's realistic and what that means for children at different ages. But actually, again, that is discipline. There's, but you need discipline with encouragement. That's why discipline is not just controlling your children. It's not just keeping them quiet. Actually, we're wanting to bring discipline that helps them grow into to live lives that are actually God's called them to. God's called them to. Again, not perhaps the lives we might think might be best for them. Again, that can be our control of them, but the thing that God's calling them to. Encouragement. Uh, children aren't to live out our dreams, but we want them to grow in God's calling. And fathers, can I hear this? Because again, I think mums can do this uh, more instinctively. Dads, we can get preoccupied, we can get busy with our own life agendas, whether it's career, whether it's just business, whether this, and actually we miss this thing. Let's be chief encouragers of our children. And in the church family, let's be encouragers of others. Critical, and I believe that's one of the ways that we can help. I believe, in a, in terms of picking up Jenny's story again, in terms of those single parent families, they need encouragement. They need help, support, encouragement. Let's look for that. There's a big kind of deposit made when a dad encourages another child in the church. Uh, boy, what a privilege this morning when Jeremy and Anne led out in that speaking in tongues interpretation. We, were sw- we had kids swarming around us. And honestly, it, was, it, it wasn't just the f- best four went up. They could have all gone up. But the privilege we had as well of saying to those who didn't come, hey, you've heard God. Well done. Encouragement. And then just the final thing is this, that it's example. And, um, and again, Paul, this time writing to Corinth, says this, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ, I became your father through the gospel, and therefore I urge you to imitate me. Okay? Big moment, Okay? I became your father, therefore I urge you to imitate me. And Cheryl said it, it's not so much about what we do, but it's who we are. And that's why when we've kind of prepped and talked about and planned for this life zone, we thought 
know, you can do all the practical how-tos, nuts and bolts. Now, hopefully there's been some of those in there over these three sessions. But the bigger thrust we wanted to do is this. It's about who we are. Not just what we do. Imitate me. And dads, okay, mums, Cheryl's encouraged mothers, but fathers, I encourage you to give unconditional love. You know, when one of our children went through those very difficult times, coming through the other side of it, which we thank God for, one of the questions we asked was, okay, just talk to us. What helped you? You know, what, what was going on then? Okay, because there wasn't much communication. And, and the one thing that got communicated was this, that, that, uh, that a child said this, was that actually, I knew you loved her. I knew you loved me. You know, sometimes we just run out of ideas. We really don't know what to do as parents. Keep loving. Fathers set the example. Keep loving. Self-denial, that means sacrifice. It means forgiveness. It means not holding grudges. It means modeling love in the home. It's how we talk about others in the home. Again, it's been so helpful, your story, Jenny, kind of picking up threads of it. But what Jenny was training her daughter to do about how they speak about her dad. You know, that we, you know, we, 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 you know speaking well, speaking well, how... Jenny speaks well of, you know, that is such a key thing. But, you know, it's so easy these days to, it's so easy to kind of not gossip out there, but gossip in the home. Attentiveness, being present, again, Cheryl mentioned that. How we handle frustration, disappointment, discouragement. Kids are learning from us all the time. Grace under pressure. I believe that that's really one of the, the, the most important outworkings of grace in family life. Because family life, it, we, we, we parent under pressure. Life is busy. Life is challenging. Life is difficult. And it's not going to change. But finding grace. If married, if you're, you know, if you're with your husband or wife. Now, husband, how we love our wives, that is one of the biggest things that can impact our children. They're learning from that. They're seeing something. They're catching something. Our marriage relationship is a constant message to our children. But if single, how folks live out, and that's why you know, I so respect people like Jenny, and there's going to be others in the room here, and we've got others in the church at home. So respect how they live out their singleness in a godly way. That is bringing example to their children. Approval, encouragement, example. Dads, let's, let's give ourselves to those things. I, I'm going to. <clears throat> We've done the notes. We've got literally just a few minutes for Q&A. I'm going to get Jenny and Hazel up and Cheryl for that. Can I just say one last thing, though? I, 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 I kind of think there's been a constant theme which none of us put in our notes over these three sessions, and it keeps coming through. 
the main sessions in the evenings, the uh, prayer meetings, some of the leaders' prayer meetings, and it's this word, faith. And I believe that this isn't just about technique, but God wants to really impart fresh faith right into where you're at. You've got your own stories. We've told, other people have told their stories. You've got your own stories of right where you are. Young kids, adult, uh, kind of teenage kids, adult kids, grandparents. But God, I believe, wants to impart fresh faith. Fresh faith. That you will be all that God calls you to be. As mum, as dad, in terms of the family you're responsible for, but also within church as family. There are people crying out for a genuine demonstration of the family of God. Okay? So, Q&A. I think we've got time for about three or four questions. And, uh, and do you want to come and join me at the front? Move this out of the way. Or comments? I know sometimes... Sometimes uh, there's a comment. Uh, if there's anything... Bless him. I can't, I'm going to get you to speak. Um, uh, my question is, in terms of, uh, you said, teaching and training. Um, so there is a behavior aspect when things are going wrong. Your anger, frustration can be the first thing coming. You know, so how do you, you know, just training in a godly way... Uh, you were quoting from the John Piper kind of things, you know. So, how do you maintain that? You know, it's just uh, the grace and faith to train them. What do you do uh, in practically? Um, I think that it all goes back to you, your identity in Christ, what you understand, what you believe. I put in my notes, but didn't have time to read it out. Pray that the Holy Spirit will help you in your parenting. And for me, I find the fruits of the Spirit very helpful to consistently think about. Self-control. It's one of the, you know, it's a gift of the Spirit. It's all, not a gift of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. Um, and peace and patience and kindness. All of that I find very helpful. Um, I think that when we get angry, we don't oftentimes parent well very practical tip um, we discipline perhaps slightly differently to the current model and let me just say models change all the time parenting models particularly in terms of discipline change all the time however we did have a naughty step it was just like our bottom step of our stairs and, um, in fact, that's always where we took our children. So we never disciplined, like, if you're talking about bad behavior or bad attitude. Uh, we tended to try and train for attitude rather than be behavior, just behavior. We would always, we would never do that publicly, ever. We would always take the child out of the room, even if they were with their siblings. We would take the naughty child out of their room, sit them on the bottom of the stairs... But if we were angry about their attitude or their behavior, we would walk into the kitchen 
Um, and in those days, we uh, used a wooden spoon to smack our kids. You can ask any of our children about it. And um, because that was part, you know, that was a Christian model in those, in those days. And that walking to the kitchen and walking back gives you time. Now, that's, you know, not really so appropriate nowadays. That doesn't matter. Whatever it is you do, give yourself time, and then your anger and your frustration at your children. So just, um, but always do the same thing. Because when you're angry, you, you need to have something that you always do, otherwise you'll forget. So sit your child on the naughty, send them to the naughty step, whatever it is you do, and then go somewhere and come back. We, we it was like it took us 10 seconds. We, we personally never um, made our children go to their rooms. Uh, we didn't feel that was a way of dealing with the situation. So we always try to deal with the situation. But if you, deal, if you do it out of anger, you will super be in trouble. Um, and I would just say that there was one girl I knew that said to her, she was so angry, she said to her child, if you do that again, I'll flush you down the toilet. Well... What well, crazy thing to, you know, but I mean, what a silly thing to say. But the thing was, would she ever carry through on that threat? Of course not. So what did her child learn from that? Well, I can do whatever I like because mum will say things like that and she never do it. So you carry through, but never in anger. So asking for the, for the fruit of the Holy Spirit to grow in you, for me, has been a key thing. Add something to that. If you know, we've all done it. If you do lose it with your child, you can say sorry to them. Don't don't think that you lose your status by saying sorry to them. You're not a dictator, and you actually gain their respect by saying, "I got it wrong," and they learn that everybody gets it wrong, and that you're not some superhuman. I just add the other thing I'd say is when you get it wrong. Sometimes it's worth just explaining why. So I do say to my daughter, I'm really sorry. I had a rough day at work. I'm really tired. That was completely unfair. That wasn't. That was an overreaction. And actually that helps her learn that that's what happens, that, that people get overwhelmed by things and, and you mess up. I think we've just got one question. And then we've got a burning question. Okay, we'll go with Alec. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to pick up on when you said about not being prideful and others coming up to you and um, or did they come up to your child and tell them off or did they come up to you and how did you deal with that if they did come up to your child and tell them off and also how do you deal with when some parents have different rules to your own children's um, rules and how do you explain that to your children and that's a lot of questions all in one there sorry <laughs> okay. okay big question okay to be a quick answer yeah. <laughs> um i've had both i've had people tell my children off i've had people uh, come to me and talk to me about my children um i it doesn't actually bother me if people tell my children off to be fair, um, because I'm not the end all and be all. I think Hazel just said, we are not perfect parents. So if someone else sees something in my child that they, at that point, need to tell off, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Because at some point, probably, I will hear about it. Um, I trust most people, 
particularly if it's a church situation, I mean, you don't get random strangers normally telling your children off. It's normally people you know. Um, it is difficult because everything in us wants to rise up and go, that's my child and I know best and so on and so forth. Um, I, I think you just need to be careful of, of that. As long as they've not hurt your children, it, you know, maybe that's the best thing that they were told at that point by that adult. We try to encourage our children from a really, really young age to be confident with other people in the church that we were not the center of their universe. Um, and as teenagers as well, to have other safe adults that they could, they could go to. Um, I think that... Um, what's the other thing you said, Ali? I can't remember. Oh, wait a minute. Hazel wants to answer that one. The bit about other people having different standards to yourself. Um, when my daughter was little, she very early knew that Father Christmas didn't exist. But we spent a whole lot of time saying to her, don't spoil it for somebody else. And then it would be, they're allowed to watch this film. Why aren't I allowed to watch this film? And, and we just very clearly said, these are the rules in our family, other people. So you can't actually tell them that they're wrong. <laughs> so don't tell their, their children that their parents have got it wrong. You just say, these are the rules we live by in our family. Different families have different rules. And you have to keep their rules when you're in their house. Not that you would break our rules while you're in their house because they have different rules. You keep our rules, but you don't diss them for the, you know, their rules. But, that, I mean, it's going to happen a lot because you're going to say, we don't want you doing that. We don't want you playing on that game. We don't want you, you know. And, and you just very clearly say, these are the rules that we have in our house. And, and yeah. Okay, we need to finish. Um, Cheryl, uh, ourselves, Hazel, I'm not sure about Jenny, if you can stay. Okay, okay. So we're going to stay. So if there are any more questions, just come up and talk to us personally. Can I just say thank you for coming. Uh, God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. But God just so impart fresh faith and encouragement into your hearts. Be mums, dads, in every setting God's put you in. Okay? Amen. Yeah, bless you.